Alive and Kicking is brought to you in association with PartyPoker.com. Sign up now using the bonus code AK90s and PartyPoker will match your initial deposit. Welcome to Life and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Pat Sharp and the Funhouse Twins. My name's Ash Rose and I've been put in charge of this walk down memory lane into a decade that we like to say changed football. And today I'm really, really excited because we're talking classic kits, something that the 90s very much is known for. And for anyone who, who knows me or follows me on Twitter or even got a little wind of it on the last week's podcast, they know I'm a bit of a kit geek. So we'll get to that in all due, all due course. We'll hopefully have a special guest on the phone as well. We'll ask him about any memorable kits that he might have worn as well. Um, before we kick off and introduce the guest, though, I just want to say a massive thank you uh, to everyone who listened and downloaded the first pod last week. Uh, we had such a, a great response. I, I didn't really expect it as well. So many thanks to everyone. We were in the top 25 on the iTunes charts on the first night's ratings uh, above such heavy hitters as TalkSport and uh, the official Liverpool one. So thanks again to everyone. Um, please do k- listen to this one if you're not already, which that doesn't make sense, but listen to the next one. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at AK90s and on Facebook forward slash AK90s. So do drop us any comment on there. Um, let us know what you'd like us to talk about because we're always open to, to themes on the podcast. And also if you've got any mementos, 90s, we love seeing that. You might have noticed... Um, I, we try and tweet as many as different things as we can, whether it be merchandise or old adverts, uh, TVs and stuff. But if you've got anything yourself that is lying around your loft or in, in your cupboards, do tweet a picture and we'll retweet and everything because we love to see those 90s mementos. I think we might even see a few tonight here on the table that we'll uh, tweet as the evening goes on and post them throughout the week. But so on to tonight's guest. And as I said, the theme is classic kits, something the 90s is very infamous for. Um, it went a bit crazy in the 90s, something that I loved, something that I don't think is enough of uh, anymore. If anyone has seen the new Norwich third kit, I think the people here would agree it's pretty 90s, the new Norwich kit. It is, it is. Indeed. So let me introduce my guest. Firstly, um, I'm delighted to have, well, I like to call him the kit oracle. He's a man who, who pretty much lives football kits, even more than me. Um, as uh, the author of two amazing True Colour color, uh, Colours kit books and the website of the same fan as well. He was a Liverpool fan growing up and with a bit of a Scotland fan. Is that what we're going to go with? Definitely. Scotland, I think. Yes, yeah, Scotland yeah. tonight. And that's John, Le- John Devlin, like if I say your name correctly. <laughs> John Devlin. Hello. Hello, Ash. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, next to him um, is someone, if you've been on the internet at all in the last 18 months, you probably would have clicked a link through to this man's workplace and and a site called buzzfeed and in the last was it six months i'd say football's been part of it yeah yeah about even two months really yeah Yeah. so yeah so he's now covers football and it's uh, lots of lists and and quizzes which keeps me busy during the day when i should be doing what i'm doing for kick magazine but yeah uh, bristol rovers fan as well which is a bit different for us richard beach good good evening sir yeah here to uh, represent the mighty bristol rovers Bristol we've got ian holloway in common though so that's (laughs) something to reminisce about absolutely Dennis Bailey, didn't he play for Bristol Rovers as well? When? Because I was a Bristol Rovers fan from about 96, No, oh, it might be just before that. Because the whole Ian Holloway win, because we had Darren Peacock and Andy Tilson as well. I'll stop talking QPR, I've already <laughs> been told I've been talking about that. And lastly, to my left, we have another 90s football encyclopedia, I like to call him. A big supporter of Life and Kicking as well. I was there at the launch, uh, we did a quiz for the book a couple of years ago. Uh, and someone who's a bit of a kit geek like myself calls himself a sponsor expert. If- oh. 
Love a sponsor. Love a sponsor. Love we might put that to, to the test later on. But hello to uh, Liam Matthewman. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Delighted. So what we're going to do, we'll talk kits in just a bit. Like I said, we've got someone hopefully on the phone to speak to as well. But if you listen to last week, you will hear that what I'd like to do to get to know our guest just a little bit better before we start talking about the theme is something I call the 90s football CV. So I'm looking straight at Richard. So I'm going to go back to Bristol Rovers. So sum up. Will be the late sort of late mid to late nineties then for, for Bristol Rovers in one. It, we said one sentence last week and the boys went on and on. So <laughs> I'm going to try one sentence, but go ahead. I would say a, a decade of promise but lack of achievement. Uh, we had some beautiful players, and now I've definitely done more than one sentence. But we had, we had, <laughs> we had Jason Roberts, Barry Hales, uh, Mark Waters, uh, a great player called Frankie Bennett. Um, Gary Penrice, Ian Holloway. Yeah. It was a, link there, yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful decade, but we just didn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. What leagues did they, they bounce around in? in we were Division Two, Division, then, the old so, Division Two. Yeah. yeah, and we were, you know, we were fighting with Bristol City at that point to be the the biggest club in Bristol, um, and they won the battle sadly. So now we're in League Two. You're still trying to fight that battle, but yeah. and so you mentioned a few players there. Best club player of the nineties, then would it be one of that lot, or are you going to throw me left field money now? No, I well, it is difficult. I thought about it a lot, but I would say Barry Hales, just because I think I was about ten years old or something, and um, just seeing this guy just skin players for fun and knock him in from wherever he wanted to was uh, was brilliant. But it was between him and Jason Roberts. We also had Nathan Ellington. It was. Yeah, didn't they just, all play for Wigan? Oh, Barry Howes didn't, but the other two played for Wigan, didn't they, later they did, on, yeah. really successfully, yeah. And Barry Howes, of course, at Fulham. And then best 90s player overall outside of the Rovers? Yeah, I'm going for Cantona, just because... Yeah, um, I think that's going to become a regular. Yeah, that, that collar, to <laughs> yeah. me, is just everything. That was my childhood in one image, basically. The Nike advert, which I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> at some point on this podcast, the Aurevals will live long in the memory. On to John, then. We were going to talk Liverpool, but we've decided last minute to put him on the spot and go a bit left field and talk Scotland in the 90s, which, I don't know, some might be gr- grimacing at that, because, I don't know, 98 was pretty good, so go on. Well, Off the top of your head, John, sum up Scotland in the 90s. As a Scotland fan, we kind of grimace every day. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter what we talk. I would say a solid team that was much greater than its individual parts. Mm, that's pretty... And a sentence, a nice sentence there. Oh, that was very good, good, good yeah. Good. Best, well, I was going to say club, but obviously we're now talking country, so best player in that. I mean, there's been a few. There was a good, that was a good era for Scottish players, wasn't it? was. Wasn't? I mean, there were some good players there. There was no massively great flair players, mm. but some good players there that did work together as a team. I think they always punched above their weight mm. as a team. Didn't achieve anything. Didn't let in many goals. Didn't score many goals. So it was, you know... I'm going to go for Gary McAllister. Mm. Um, always felt so sorry for him with the England game in Euro 96. That was Yuri Geller's fault though, wasn't it? Uh, yes. <laughs> if we're I, led to believe. Yeah. yeah, up in his helicopter, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, apparently, it? yeah. The ball moved, all like that, it just from a bending moved, spoon. Well. It did move. It Whether did. it was Yuri Geller or not, I don't know. <laughs> but he was such an ambassador for Scotland. He got a little bit of stick as well, which I always felt a little bit sorry for him. And of course, he joined Liverpool in 2000. Mm. And, you know, one of those few Liverpool signings that actually does the business. Mm. He was, was late on in his career as well, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And I raised eyebrows at the time. I mm. think he'd been at Coventry, hadn't he? I think just before. Yeah. And um, yeah, but he, he, he did well and he's still very highly regarded. I think he's back there. In, isn't he? He's, he's a coaching. coaching role, yeah. He was one of those seven out of ten players, I like to call him, Gary McCallister. Yeah. <laughs> he was always in my dad's dream team, always. Really? My dad always used to, we used to, as a used to face each other, that would be the, you know, the pre-season battle, who can pick the best. My dad always, Letitia and McAllister, they were the two that he always bought straight. That's he built it. his team around. <laughs> he went for the flair and the solid in the middle. That's it, that's yeah. what you want. Yeah. He scored one of Liverpool's most important goals as well, surely, with a free kick. That Everton, Everton, against that? Everton. Yeah. yeah. 
And he also, did, he also scored in that, that um, what was it, was it the UEFA Cup final? Oh, the 5-4 in five, yeah. 2001, yeah. I forget who, that, who they played Al- there. Alves, was it? Yeah. I knew it would be yeah. that was it. Yeah. 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 And best 90s player, are you going to go Scotland or are you going to go a bit outside? No, I think it's going to be either Robbie Fowler or Zola. Oh, OK. But I'm going to go for Fowler because, mm. again, one of those few Liverpool players that really did do the business that decade. All the others, well, not all the others, so many of the others were overconfident, didn't really do it, but that's, that was his decade. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go Phenomen- Fowler. God, as they call him at Exactly, Android. yeah, yeah. Are you more of a Fowler than an Owen, man? Oh, definitely. Because yeah, he, he doesn't get... Yeah. I can't forgive Owen. But even before him. that, I always thought, I mean, we'll talk Michael Owen, because I'm a big fan of Michael Owen, I'm sure we'll talk about him loads on this podcast this season, but just quickly, I just never thought, even before he joined Man United, he never quite got the love at Liverpool, did it? There was a distance there. Yeah. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, so there was a distance, whereas Fowler was just embraced, so... Yeah. Well, Dan, well, maybe one day Liverpool fans can tell us. Then lastly, over to, to the Arsenal. Um, cool. it's a, it was a decade and a half because I'm sure you know going through this we'll be talking Arsenal a lot um, what happened in the 90s so but go on for you personally how would you sum them up the sentence Liam it was a bit it was a great decade don't get me wrong because the start of it we won the league 91 we won the league 98 but the interim <laughs> it's a cup was, double in 93 yeah, the cup winners cup 94 mm. But then there was Naeem, yeah. Then we kind of had to... Well, yeah, we won't talk about <laughs> that. But, um, you have a couple of years, then Wenger comes in, and we sort of all like went from this boring defensive side that just strung out, a bit like Chelsea now, yeah, um, to this attacking flair that no-one had ever seen before. We changed, Wenger came in, changed the diets, did everything like that. I mean, I, I moan about the 90s, but when I look back at it, I actually think to myself, what what have you got to moan about? Mm, yeah, it was like a tale of two teams, really. Mm. When you look at it from the early nineties, Arsenal, the went, George Graham, yeah. and then, like you say, the philosophy and everything that Arsenal Wenger has put into mm. the game, it's incredible. To I know we all grew up with Alex Ferguson being in charge for twenty five years, but he's getting there now, and yeah. it's crazy to think he was he became manager in the nineties. So best nineties, oh, you got a lot, a lot to choose from here. So best if you could pick one, Arsenal or in general, let's go Arsenal first. Arsenal, it has to be Tony Adams. Because he's my favourite ever Arsenal player. So yeah. I can't. And he yeah. played in the 90s, so I can't not say him. If it wasn't him, if I went sort of outside that, I'm torn between Ian Wright and Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah. yeah uh, Dennis Bergkamp, probably the best player we've ever had. I, and, and I, think, I, yeah. I quoted that I think he's the best foreigner the Premier League's ever yeah. seen, I think. And, and I, I've seen Thierry Henry, mm. and I, I still think Dennis Bergkamp was the best player at Arsenal. Certainly the best signing yeah. we've ever made. Um, outside of Arsenal, it's got to be Gaza. Yeah, me. got to be Gaza. I've already we said this last week. I mean, we had Cantona and we had Gaza, and I think it was going to be a recurring theme. And I think at some point down the line, we'll do a Paul Gascoigne podcast because there is just so much you can say <laughs> about the man. I mean, what was it? Is there a particular moment of his that stands out for you? Is it Euro '96? Yeah. I've got a Scotland fan shaking his head <laughs> over there. It's either Euro '96 or I'm unfortunately I'm old enough to remember. Italia 90 when they came back and he had that Gaza belly yep. thing uh, he was just he was just a real person yeah like not not so much now like now like the footballers are, and I get that they're on a lot of money they have to look after themselves they have to do this and do that I get that but like he, he liked to drink didn't he yeah he liked to go out <laughs> he's a bit of a clown I've heard he's like he likes to drink yes yeah. I mean, but no, a fantastic, yeah. And, um, as we've said, and we'll say, since he was, to me, he was the 90s. Mm. Yeah. He's, and he's Colin Hendry can still see that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he can still what? see that ball over his head, can't he? I knew this would happen. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen that goal since that day. Really? Every time it comes on, I look, I look away. I can't watch it. It's what Colin Hendry did, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll stop that now. It's not fair on the Scotland fan in the room. Um, we're going to speak to uh, our guest in a minute, hopefully. Um, but before we do, um, and we talk about kits, before we talk about individual, because um, there's so many to talk from, I'm just going to throw it to John really quickly. Um, being the kit oracle that you are, what the hell happened in the 90s with football kits? Well, I was thinking about this on the way up here. Something did happen, didn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think there was that massive kind of postmodern retro look that came in at the end of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it just got larrier and larrier and more outrageous. And then it almost simplified again in some, in some, by some manufacturers. But the shirts were so big. They were so baggy. They were so patterned. They were so dense. They had so much going on in them. Um, and, and everything changed. Even the way the manufacturers rendered their logos changed. So, you know, icons, graphics would go. It would just be text only. There'd be all sorts going on. So... But what a, what a great decade for kids, though. I still maintain that. It's, well, I think I, I'm biased because I'm in charge of this podcast, but I do think it's probably the, the best. In terms of creatively, whether you like them or not, I think the 90s were definitely the best for kit-wise. I mean, we, we know the ones we're probably going to talk about. Outside those ones, that we're also, is, is there any that stand out for you that we, that we, haven't, that we know we're going to talk about later that you want to mention? Well, I mean, two of the ones... I mean, I, I, always, I, I kind of avoid worst kit scenarios. I yeah. always prefer to look at best kits. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always do. Best two kits for me, Newcastle United's Adidas 95-96. Both the home and away were classic Newcastle. And the, um, is that when they had brown ale? That's it. The proper, the, they should always have that. That should yeah. be a rule for new, yeah. like, Tottenham should have Holston. You should have JVC. <laughs> yeah. And Newcastle should have brown ale. That is the way it should be. <laughs> it was almost. It wasn't just the, the blue star logo of Newcastle Scottish mm. Newcastle breweries. It looked like someone had peeled the label off a bottle and stuck it on the shirt, <laughs> which is kind of figures. It kind of makes sense. But it was the last time that Newcastle wore really decent stripes as well. What was the away? Are we talking the rugby kit? Blue. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, the blue and oh, maroon, what do you yeah. mean the? Maroon and Purple navy. Purple and yeah, yeah. that was a good kit actually. With cream, of course, or ecru as it was known. In <laughs> oh, which, yeah. No one has ever ever <laughs> worn a crew apart from in the. They went this fight. Liverpool started, yeah, I think, yeah, in uh, right. sort of ninety six. I think Charlton, as my local club, who always are a bit behind everything else, um, they had it. I think their first season in the Premier League and a couple of others. It was Southampton the, and West Ham. I don't yeah. know where that colour disappeared to. No, it's funny. Well, I, it's going to be back because obviously this is what's going on with kits at the moment. It's all about different colours. So I think it will be back. I Hopefully, it's, because it's, yeah. from what we hear, it hasn't actually officially been launched yet that the third Man United kit is going to represent, in some form, the blue one, which we'll talk about later, the early 90s Adidas one. Uh, but, okay. Which I hate Man United. Oh, isn't that, that the one kit, they scored? They that kit was six amazing. one, didn't they, as well? 6 um, 2. 6 2, yeah. <laughs> Just before we speak to our guest, then, is there, for you, Richard, is there a kit that stands out for you? I mean, I know you tweeted me a certain Bristol Rovers one. Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I changed my mind about which Bristol uh, Rovers kit it is as well. I think um, we had a we're we're famous, and I use famous in a very very uh, loose <laughs> loose version of the word. But um, famous for blue and white quarters, and actually we had blue and white striped quarters with Roman glass, I think, as the sponsor. And I, if I recall correctly, Seeker made the kit, um, and that was just something else. Yeah, that was. I, I remember I had a choice between having a, a T Rex. Toy from from Jurassic Park: The Lost World. Oh, there's or, a '90s reference, <laughs> or um, or that kit, and that was the the day I became a man, and I said, "No, I'm getting the kit." Yes, that's what we like to hear. And then quickly to Liam, I mean, we're going to talk about a certain kits that I'm not going to let you mention at the moment. But is there any what other kits during the decade do stand out for you, Arsenal-wise? Uh, my favourite Arsenal '90s kit was '92 to '94, the home one with. The one they won the Cup Winners' Cup in with the V-neck with yeah. Adidas at the yeah. point, uh, and with like the like 
blue and red yeah, things yeah, on the yeah. that that was amazing and I still have that kit we've got John and he's not, kindly bought out his book and I he can show you I don't you. carry them around with me all the time <laughs> I, I would I've read them a few times as well I'm not just blowing smoke up your bum it's, uh, it's a, an absolutely fantastic I'm aware this Bible. is this is an audio thing. Yeah, well, I will tweet a <laughs> lot of this later. I'm being shown basically Arsenal's kits from '92 to '97, and they're all horrifically good. They are good. It was a very rich period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, really. the one with the three stripes <laughs> down. That was a beauty. This one, yeah, yeah. Charity Shield. Ian Wright scored Ian, from about yeah, forty absolutely. yards. See, on so the I've seen some people tweeting that the current Puma kit has kind of tried to emulate <sighs> that, and I don't really see it. Our home kit at the minute is really nice. Yeah. The away kit is disgusting. <laughs> oh, I like the away. One. No, not for me. It's no. a template, though, isn't it? I don't understand. <laughs> why is it gold? The greatest thing you ever did as a club was have that letter A <laughs> yes. on the on the shorts. It's a very Arsenal. It's Arsenal. Thought they must have copyrighted that font as well. It's very Arsenal. Mm. It's very arrogant as well, isn't it? <laughs> don't need to put the rest. Does of it stand for Arson, though. <laughs> yeah, probably was that in time. My, I'll go with mine quickly. I mean, I'm not going to choose a QPR kit because most of the hoops look the same. Um, I do love the '95 '96 away kit, which was navy uh, with white pinstripes. Um, which we've got the season. Queens Park Race got relegated. Actually, that would be my favourite away kit of the '90s. Of the homes, I'm always uh, favouring the, the early '90s, the Roy Wegley kits, but. If we're talking international, I've got it here. And again, I will tweet it later. This would be my favourite kit of the 90s, um, other than another one we'll talk about later, which is the England... Was it third? I think it was third, third kit. kit yeah. Some people still say away kit. It's the third kit from sort of 91, 90. I think they only ever wore it twice. And if my memory serves you right, against Spain? Mm-hmm. I think, and Czech, yes. Republic. Czech Republic. I was going to say Czech yeah, Republic. I think. Uh, David yeah. White made his debut. I remember that in Spain game. I think we lost 1-0. For those who aren't on Twitter and, and or Facebook, it is the kit that's all blue, sky blue, and has three massive lions um, down the the middle of it. And it's it's just not very England. It's, it's it sums up the nineties. It's just a bit out there. It's just a bit crazy, massive because this is a small. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be my favourite kit. So that that will conclude that part of the favourite kits. We'll now later on talk about um, some of the most memorable ones, which I know you're all expecting anyway. Um, we'll do that after, hopefully, we'll have uh, our guest today, which is former Sheffield Wednesday striker Richie Humphreys on the phone. So let's talk to him now. Richie, hello and welcome to Alive and Kicking. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you very much. Uh, we're talking good. 90s football, obviously, here on the podcast. You made your debut sort of midway through the 90s for Sheffield Wednesday. Around 96, was it? And I actually made my first um, sub-appearance in my first start um, in 90... Well, my first sub-appearance was probably in 95. I was a second-year YTS. Okay. Um, QPR away, got on for the last five minutes. We'd won 3-0, so um, being a YTS on sort of £29.50 a week, um, I was entitled to the first team win bonus, which was great at the time. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm a QPR fan. I should have known that. So thanks for that straight away, Richie. Um, what was the club like at the time at Sheffield Wednesday? What were the, what the type of players? Because obviously Wednesday, for a long time now, and for more modern-day li- listeners, have, have been a championship club. But at, at the time, they, they were a, a very top-half Premier League side, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whilst I, you know, um, while I was a schoolboy, sort of in, in 1993, um, I was probably I was about 15 at the time. Um, Sheffield Wednesday got to both cup finals. They played Arsenal in um, in the League Cup final and the FA Cup final. Uh, Arsenal winning them both. Um, and then, so I watched Wednesday Sheffield Wednesday play in Europe. Um, I remember them playing Kaiserslautern at home. John Sheridan scoring an amazing free kick. And then when I was a YTS, you sort of um, the players that you know boots were used to clean etc. They were all internationals. I mean, um, Andy Sinton, Des Walker, Chris Woods. 
Um, we had uh, foreign internationals, um, Dan Petrescu, um, and we had, uh, obviously, after that, De Canio came in mm. and Carboni. Um, but, you know, Chris Waddle at the time, John Sheridan, I remember coming back from the 1994 World Cup a bit later than everybody else when that was that was my first year YTS. So around the building were, uh, you know, the top, top players, mm. um, top players to look up to, top players to try and uh, strive to get into the team to play alongside. So my upbringing there as a YTS was fantastic. So when, you know, when I did uh, break into the first team, as you know, the second year YTS, um, and then, you know, to get my first couple of starts as a first year professional in and around those players, um, was a real good upbringing for me and a real, um, I think, uh, inspiration into, you know, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be as a footballer and make a, you know, a really good career out of it. Absolutely. That leads to a question we've had on Twitter, actually, from um, Ivan Brawley, who says, which of the, the guys, you mentioned a lot of names there, was there anyone in particular of the, the senior pros when you, were, when you were growing up in the YTS that, that helped you, guys like Waddle or Hurst or Sheridan? Was there anyone in particular? Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, all three of them, really, in different ways. I mean, I was a centre-forward um, as a kid. So, you know, David Hurst was like, you know, an absolute legend and is a legend at Sheffield Wednesday. So to play alongside him, um, you know, the, the great number nine at Sheffield Wednesday, he taught me a few things, certainly on the pitch, but almost, you know, how to carry yourself um, about, you know, disappointment of being left out of teams. And, you know, because obviously you're young, you want to play. Um, and, you know, managers change things for various reasons and you don't understand at the time. And obviously now I understand very, very well. I've been in the game for 20 years. So those sort of things. Obviously, he was left-footed like me as well. And, you know, the goals he scored seemed to be all fantastic finishes. Um, John Sheridan, um, at the time when I was breaking into the reserves, was, was playing a lot of reserve games. And, and he so he helped me uh, tremendously. I mean, many playing, you know, getting balls off John Sheridan, making runs and John Sheridan picking you out and... Um, he was sort of demanding as well. Really wanted me to uh, to do well and make sure I held the ball up, make sure I got in the box at the right time. Um, because you know it was like training was exactly like games with with, uh, with those players. Every you know everybody wanted to win, everybody wanted to you know play well and you know get one up on the opposition. And again, that's such a good upbringing for myself. And Chris Waddle at the same time was was sort of coming to the end of his career um, as a player, and I sort of. Um, picked up things from him and I played in, with him in the reserves and mm. he then actually went on to be my coach uh, at Sheffield Wednesday as well so and you know I still see him around Sheffield and stuff and I still see, still see David Hurst and seeing John Sheridan at the clubs he's managed and teams have played against so those three along with like you know really you know the, the captain at the time Peter Atherton yeah. um, a young player who, who we signed um, Andy Booth we sort of struck up a partnership for you know a number of games so there's a lot of players at the time on my coaches as well um, all the managers I've played and I've, I've recently saw my uh, youth team coach Albert Thielen um, he played for Chesterfield when he was a player and I was um, doing a thing with him the other night and it's great to see him again just a good upbringing how, how I've gone in my career and um, you know work ethics and, and demands and, and things like that yeah, I said in my in my speech at the PFA was that it's not easy being a professional footballer. People probably take it, um, you know, that we get to go out and train every day. Well, we do, but it's obviously it's everything else that goes with it. You know, how you have to conduct yourself on and off the pitch, your lifestyle, your nutrition, everything that goes with it. And you know, um, to have the longevity I've had, I'm, I'm absolutely you know delighted. I've never wanted to do anything else. Absolutely. And- I saw us on Twitter earlier. Uh, someone put a vine of a goal that you scored. Was it against Leeds? A, a little chip. Leicester. Leicester was it? Because they were playing in yellow, so I wasn't sure. What do you remember? That was some goal. What do you remember about that one? 
Well, it was it was just a, a remarkable. I, I'd already made sort of one full start the, the previous season. That was away at Bolton at, at Bolton's old ground. Um, <laughs> there's one for the nineties for you. Um, Burden Park was that? I think. Yeah. Burden yeah, Park, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had an assist in that game as well. So I played only played an hour, but it was a great feeling. Like I said, it was only still a second year YTS, so I might have even turned professional by then. Um, but the following season, um, I, I, people, you know, Hurst was injured, Mark Bright was injured. Um, we just signed Andy Booth, um, a couple of, I think, maybe another striker um, who was, sort of, you know, above me in the pecking order, if you like, he was just a young kid, uh, couldn't travel to, to a pre-season tour that we went on. So I got an opportunity um, to play a few games and um, I managed to stay in the team for the start of the season and scored uh, on my full home debut against Aston Villa. Mm, I remember um, that, yeah. Which, well, it's, it's, it's 19 years ago today. Oh, oh really? Uh, which I've seen, yeah, somebody tweeted me today uh, on this day in uh, 1996. Uh, and it's exactly it's the same day that David Beckham scored. And, and Ravnelli as well. Halfway, like, yeah, yeah, we spoke about yeah, that last week. Well, so. Um, so, I scored that on the on the Saturday. Then went to we went to Leeds on the Tuesday night and we won and I scored there. Uh, we went up to Newcastle on the following Saturday. We won at Newcastle, so we were top of the Premier League. And then we played Leicester live on Sky on a Monday night. Um, David Earth came back into the team, so I dropped into the field, and that's the goal that I'd scored, um, running from the halfway line and, and, and chipping the keeper. And I think it, I get asked, obviously, a lot of times, what's the greatest goal you know, you've know you ever scored? And that is probably up there for um, for different reasons, you know, carrying the ball and then chipping the mm-hmm. keeper. You know, People dream of doing it, and yeah. I certainly tried to do it a few times before and after. And it's never really worked. So it <laughs> well, it was some goal, Richie. Some goal. You talked about best goal. We so memorable for, for Wednesday night because we were, you know, we, I think for four or five games into the season, we were top of the Premier League, and um, I think we managed to finish maybe seventh or eighth that season. So that was a, you know, productive season for us all. Definitely. You talked about best goal. We're actually talking about kits tonight. What would be the uh, not not necessarily at Wednesday? So remember a horrible bright orange kit that you may have had. Um, in that, that sort was of the era. one I was going to choose. Actually. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was really very go, bright, wasn't you know, it? It was really, and I've seen pictures of it. Really, you know, big baggy shirts, and it, like, we had hoop socks with it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really a fan of that one. Were you at the club where I think it might have been the season before they had that weird green kind of kind of different type of turquoisey one as well, or was that a bit yeah, before you? Yeah, yeah, that no, that's another story that goes with that shirt. Um, I think it was. Um, it was actually yeah, on my debut at Bolton in that green kit um, <laughs> and the, I think the kit man had got my name wrong on the back of my shirt so oh, really? I, got to keep that, I got to keep that shirt brilliant that's and, a great uh, moment and get a new one printed up yeah fantastic brilliant well before we let you go I mean you're still playing now which is unbelievable does it seem crazy that we're talking 90s football and here you are in 2015 and still playing league football as well I bet there's some of your teammates that don't really remember the 90s is there well, that, I was, when that, um, I showed a couple of the, the younger lads um, that, the, the tweet about uh, on this day in uh, 1996, uh, 19 years ago, um, and I said, were you even born 19 years ago? And they were like, about three or four of them went, no. <laughs> and you go, oh, okay, and we're teammates now. So, he's hey, great. I mean, I, I've worked at this before. I love being a professional footballer. How long I can keep going for, I don't know. I'm 38 in November, and, um, you know, it doesn't seem long ago since I left school and went to be, a, you know, a YTS to to learn the trade but I think that um, football's evolved and football's moved on and if you you have to try and move with it you know just the amount of strength and conditioning and nutrition all that sort of thing and analysis that you can do now and GPS vests that you have for training is so different to when I first started mm. but I love it I love all everything that's evolved with it um, because I, I think if you don't and, and you don't want to move with it you'll be sat in a club one day and say oh well it was different when I was like you know and I don't want to ever be like that I think it's the way the game's gone it's faster it's quicker you have to be more 
definitely stronger and fitter. And I think that I enjoy that side of it as well. So um, hopefully I'd like to stay in the game for as long as I can. But as a player, you know, I just want to keep going, you know, train every day like it's the last day I'm ever going to train. Brilliant. Um, you know, if I get to play, play like it's the last game I'm ever going to play. Great. Well, thanks for talking to us, Richie. Pleasure. Anytime. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was Richie Humphreys from Not A Lot of Nice Sheffield Win. I'm glad you remember those kits because that green one was a shocker, wasn't it? It was. It was Puma, wasn't it? I think yeah. Puma Sanderson, it. Yeah. The, yeah, there's the sponsor. Sanderson, yeah. A, yeah. That was a shocker of a kit. Well, we're going to talk about some other, some might say shockers, but for most of these that we've got on our list, I absolutely love them because they're pure 90s, purely different. Uh, no templates, which is my absolute pain of the current kits as well. Um, I'm going to go kind of chronologically. So we're going to go to, to Liam because... The early 90s is synonymous with an Arsenal kit that has been called many things, but I think the favourite name of it is the Bruised Banana, um, which was the Adidas kit, which I don't know what would you call those black lines that are across it, but you owned it, didn't you, Liam? I did own it, yeah. I owned it until quite recently, as I was explaining before. Um, but lost... Anyway, I won't go into that. <laughs> um, but I still think, single-handedly, that is the best and worst kit ever <laughs> Rolled produced. into one. Ever produced by any... Company. It's certainly one that all, when you see those that we talked about earlier, the worst kit lists, which is unfair because they're not worse, they're just different. Mm. But that is one that always comes up, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also like now it's really cool. Mm. Like you see, you still go to the Emirates and you still see like there'll be three or four hundred people. Obviously, it's a stadium is very spattered around yeah. um, wearing that shirt. Yeah. It's become very cool. It's also very expensive to buy. Yeah, no, uh, a lot of the, uh, the classic now. shirts are. Um, I don't really know what you can say about it. It was terrible. From let's, a, let's be from honest. From a non-Arsenal fan, Richard, go on, what do you think of the Arsenal away of 91? I think the, the fact it has the old Adidas logo on yeah. it. Yeah, that's um, what they call originals now, isn't it? Original, yeah. 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 Um, no, I actually really like it. Mm. And, uh, but I really love garish kits anyway. So you um, Don't get much garish than that. They John, do not get John, what do you think? I mean, in your oracle opinions, that if that's well, even a word. I've written thousands and thousands of words about football kits over the years, <laughs> but Liam's stolen my thunder by calling it the best kit and the worst kit. Yeah. That is genius. You've described it perfectly. So, that, no, that's I, it. I feel the same, it feel the same way. It, it raised eyebrows at the time. I think the Russian side wore a blue and white version at the same, mm. same period as well. And um, we've, not, we've not quite seen it's like ever since. No, they've we? never tried to repeat I'm, it, I'm they? surprised at that as well. Mm. What I love about all these amazing kits is that uh, there must have been one person who originally came up with, yeah. with, with the design and then a, a whole room of other people who went, yep, that's the <laughs> that one. one. Yep. Yeah. Not that plain yellow one. No, we want that. That bruised banana looking kit. Yeah. It makes you wonder how they sold it to them. Don't yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. The thing is, Adidas went on, I think it was about five or six years ago, and they produced a load of um, like zip-up tracksuit tops. Yeah. Uh, and they go on to another kit you're going to mention. Yeah. The Man United one. The Man United Blue um, one, yeah. And that one. And they sold like wildfire. Yeah, I can imagine. quite cool. Sticking with Arsenal going slightly later in the decade, there's a kit that, a small story that I always remember. I was in my school canteen, and this was the, the days before Twitter, and before kit launches and things like that. And some guy walked in in this blue... I like to call it the lightning kit. Mm, I like um, that. And I had never seen, well, I'd never seen Arsenal play in a blue away kit at that point because it was always yellow. Um, I, I remember they had the green in the mid-80s as well, but that's outside the decade we're talking about. But yeah, the lightning kit, I like to call it. I think it was Dennis Burskamp's first away kit as well. It was 90, I think it was 94, 95. It was the first year they had added, uh, night kit. Yeah, not first added night kit, us. John? Uh, well, the, the, the big lightning one was 95, yeah. 96, yeah. but they had a kind of, Oh, sober version, yeah, sober version, yeah. yeah. 
What do you think of that one, Liam? Was that one of your favourites? I think li- so. The lightning one, again, it's tremendously dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Um, I think now it's appreciated more than it was mm. at the time. I think now you look back at it and you think it looks, yeah, that's quite cool. And like if you get like a really small fit in one, as the fashion is these days, um, I think they can look really cool. I think at the time, it was probably terrible. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a big yeah. statement for Nike, though, wasn't it? Because they changed Arsenal's. Because they hadn't. When was I mean? Had they ever been blue before no, that, John? Like, um, they wore a navy away kit in the sixties. Okay, that was so for a long time. Yeah, then. yeah. I, but, I don't understand why. Uh, for me, maybe it's because I'm a hardened Arsenal fan. I don't know. Should be red with white sleeves as a home shirt, yellow with blue sleeves for the well, away shirt. You, I, I don't understand why they change it. For me, Arsenal are as much yellow as yeah. they are red. Yeah, exactly. And you've yeah. got the whole she wore a yellow ribbon song of and course, everything yeah. like that, which obviously sticks with the Arsenal fans. And it was really nice to see us in the cup final last year. Sorry, I know this isn't the nineties. Um, <laughs> keep it nineties hashtag. Wherein. <laughs> Wearing yellow and doing, and all the fans turn up in yellow and everything like that. And I thought that, I thought that was, but I've never ever understood why they had a blue away kit. A third shirt is common now. The new That's one's blue, isn't kind it? of yeah. yeah. And again, it's terrible. Moving so, on then to um, <laughs> one team that probably dominated the nineties when it comes to kits because they thought like they bought out a new one every five minutes and got into a lot of trouble for it. And the man you mentioned earlier, obviously, I like to collar on them. Um, Mr. Cantona and um, I mean you could pick out hundreds of main night kits obviously we've already mentioned the blue one from the early 90s which may be repeated in the new third kit we're told by Adidas which is one of my favourites just again because it's so different looks like maple leaves as I always think like printed on it but the, obviously the famous one is the uh, is it 90 the grey one is it 95 I believe where we all know the story Alex Ferguson took the team out they were 3-0 down at half town to Southampton blamed the kit uh, still lost the game, but they didn't. I think it was three-one in the end uh, when they changed the blue and white affair. What did? But is that? A, could you imagine that being an actual reason, or was that Fergie kind of just masking the performance, or Fer- was it the kid? Fergie is absolute finest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I actually, I must admit now, I, I'm going to come clean. At that point in the '90s, I think I was still a Man United fan. Oh, <laughs> Ian Holloway kid, would not be happy. No, no he wouldn't. But um, yeah, I'd, so I, I kind of. Just think it was all a load of ball, really. Yeah. That, you know, they were just... That is the common conclusion, really, isn't but it? But you don't see a lot of grey kits, do you? You don't. You, you, see a f- you see a few more popping up. And also the new Real Madrid one, the away kit's grey, and then I quite like it. But is do you think because of that, is that the reason? Well, there was another kit as well. I think Leeds wore a navy and green striped mm. kit. Yep, I remember and that, yeah. George Graham was the boss at the time. And Official again, hotels. that's right, yeah. he pulled that. He, they never wore that again yeah. after a bad result. So there is, a, there is some kind of like form with this, the shirts affecting the performance in terms of visibility. The shirt's got to be seen. That's, yeah. that's the yeah. whole point of it. So it is an unusual choice. And I, I still can't understand why grey pops up every now and again. What, yeah, why why can't grey be seen in a, in a <laughs> in backdrop a, of green and and then you know fans wearing it, presumably red? It must in, be the miserable faces amongst the main eye. Were they all grey merging together? Yeah, I, think I don't it, know. <laughs> I like John's wearing a grey shirt in honour of this. Really, kit like, as well. no, <laughs> a sea of Southampton fans wearing red and white wouldn't exactly mask grey, would it? Mm. Well, I think it, it, I don't. I'm not sure, but there's something definitely something goes on. I remember going to um, a game recently and Southampton were playing in dark navy. And of course, you, you, they couldn't. They couldn't see them They'd, at night time. Oh, okay. Flavoring yeah. floodlights. Yeah. They did disappear into the uh, right. into the crowd. So there's some. There is some evidence in for that. I think. 
Mm. Other Man United kits that I'd like just to quickly mention is the Newton Heat halves. They, they, that was a, quite a special. That was a Cantona. I remember a goal against Wimbledon. He scored in that beautiful kit. Did they have laces? I think they do. Oh, they? the like Umbro that. laces. Why has that never really come back? Likes that. It will. Yeah. It has to. Well, yeah. I think they were. I think they were banned. I think the refs didn't like them. Oh really? Yeah, they had to. Such a retro. A shame. I think they didn't. They, so who it was, had? It was Man United. I think Villa. Oldham, Villa, and. Ipswich. And United had it with their home kit. Yeah, with yeah, fantastic. I used to love those. And the last one I mentioned was the all black one, which was nice, and the all blue one, which had the uh, kind of. Was it had a whole Trafford kind of? It was a big club badge. Wasn't yeah, it? a big club yeah. badge. Yeah, because the black kit was the first ever black kit because that was when the refs stopped wearing black, so they were able to yeah. teams were able to wear black for the first time. Mm. We're running. We're slowly running out of time already, which is. You know, when you talk about kitchen can go day, so I'm going to try and get through as many as you can in the last sort of few minutes. One I want to mention and just show the boys here as well. It's my favourite football kit ever. I'll just go to my bag of chicks, and here it is. Oh, beauty. This is the USA 1994 World Cup away shirt. Um, if that, again, those who are not on, uh, never, someone's, yeah, I hadn't until I I, yeah, it's, it's I amazing in the flip. I'll let you feel it, man, because it's ridiculously <laughs> thick. It's the thickest shirt I think. Look, feel that. Gabe, our engineer, is laughing his head off. How thick? Is it actually made of denim? I mean, it, it must... could well be because it, it for those who don't it know it, I haven't on uh, social networking. It's yeah, denim is the colour. You can't just, you can't deny anything else, and it's got stars like the flag um, of the USA. It was worn at the not World Cup by guys like. Uh, Eric Wanalda and Kobe Jones and of course Alexi Lalas who captained the team um, yeah my favourite kit ever I don't think I know you're on, you did a you were part of a website uh, at Football Attic that did the top yeah, 50 that's recently right. this wasn't in the top 10 and I was disgusted with it well the home and away we, we counted you combined you cheated they, they, they had a, br- a brilliant combination but it was of course it was supposed to be denim yeah. it was typically American so again it was a, designers were really looking beyond their um you know, the immediate remit, if you like, to try and pull in these new ideas, to sell them as replicas. That's when, that's what the 90s, that's what kind of fired 90s kit design. Uh, going back to grey slightly as well, uh, just quickly, is the, the Chelsea orange, and I think the term was granite, is that what they called Gra- it? Graphite. Graphite. And tangerine. Ta- graphite and tangerine. That was a shocker, wasn't it, Liam? Cause. Cause was the sponsor, yeah. Um, just reminds me of... Trying to think who it is now. Is it Frank Sinclair? Yeah, Frank Sinclair. Erlen Johnson. I, I, it yeah, went with his ginger hair, I, didn't it? I just see them just wearing it. It's awful. It's again, uh, again another colour that's never brilliant. been really repeated, is it? I, I can't imagine why it ever would be, to be honest. I think a lot of 90, 90s kits, even the really bad ones, have got some redeemable features, except for that Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> that is often. The, I always think the Coventry and the brown one in the, uh, the 70s and 80s, and that one, they're the two that for me that always get. When I see those kit charts, they're the two that always get put on top. And it's unfair because it's that 90s, I think it's 95, 96 Chelsea kit is absolutely amazing. And I, 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 that's the sort of, don't you think that should bring that back as a retro throwback? Go on. I, I would like to be able to go into like Sports Direct and just buy it off the shelf, you know. <laughs> I would shake your hand if you were wearing it in the street. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is that I'm good. sure there, like you said about the Arsenal, I'm sure there's a few down to Stanford Bridge that might be, actually, I don't know if they'll remember it. Oh, no, no move on. <laughs> Stop the QPR on this. Um, I'm just going to quickly talk about goalie kits before we go, um, because they were probably at their most mental in the 90s. Um, None was standing of George Campos at oh, you know, 94. Yeah, so he made his own kit. His series of kits. Yeah. Series of, they were yeah. brilliant. Another one's fantastic. And of course, what's interesting is that prior to then, goalkeepers' jobs were you know, mainly green. And they went from being anonymous to being the lariest they could possibly be. 
Yeah. Uh, abs- um, um, Liam's just put one on, on his phone again. We'll try and put these on Twitter later. And this is a, I think Adidas were pretty responsible for Because <laughs> I remember that one, which is a Liverpool one with some kind of weird orange and like yellow streaks. It's like they've been like slashed. Yeah, by or mauled. But yeah, and, and there was a the Newcastle had the same. I mean, I remember poor Pavel Cernicek. Oh, round of applause, Pavel don't say, Cernicek. Don't say poor Pavel Cernicek. <laughs> <laughs> but he had to wear some shockers until they got the, the Tyne Sunset one, which I think was late 90s. But he did. But I think the ultimate, and I think it's kind of the staple hold of 90s goalkeeping kits and it's actually unashamedly the last full kit that I ever I ever wore was the 1996 year 96 goalkeeping kit oh. the red one <laughs> that was a good kit it was awful though wasn't it it was good no nah, it was good I have that, yeah, that kit as well it's, it was called the refreshers kit if the I refreshers, remember right. yeah that's right so, yeah. I don't think David Seaman ever, didn't know what was going on when he saw that and he had to wear I mean the grey kit the England grey kit was also one of the one again grey was one of the worst kits of the era but did that, they ever wear that together yeah, the semi-final, year '96. Was he we- was Seaman wearing? wearing that? That's what. I, yeah, Brilliant. that's what we blame it on. That's why he couldn't stop that Thomas Muller goal. <laughs> I know you, you can smile now. <laughs> and breathe a sigh of relief. Breathe a sigh of relief that we didn't win year '96. But yeah, goalkeepers, especially you know, nod to George Campos because for me, I mean, I don't think you'd ever see. Would you imagine a, a, a player um, designing his own kits nowadays? No. Uh, unless it was David Beckham before he retired. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that iconic photo of Campos just. Leaping into the air with the was it the ninety four? It was like it pink, been, green, yeah. yellow, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Mm. Even the shorts, yeah, everything. <laughs> well, we, we were going to play a little sponsors game, but we unfortunately have already run out of time because we could actually talk kits all day long. So many thanks to Richie Humphreys first of all uh, on the phone. Some great memories there, and thank you to John the Oracle. Please buy his books and go check his website out. They are brilliant. We'll put links onto Twitter. Check out sports. Football Buzzfeed, what was it? What's the Twitter? Buzzfeed at Buzzfeed UKFB on uh, on Twitter and Buzzfeed Football. Brilliant quizzes. There was one the other that drove me mad. I can't remember which one it was. The name, the football grounds, was it? Oh, from the the, the map. Maps yeah, game. that yeah. was hard. That, that test geography yeah. and football knowledge. I don't. That was too much at once. I couldn't do that. Or well, I did a great one today. It wasn't Buzzfeed. I'm sorry, but um, it was named the England, most popular England lineups from each year of the nineties. I, I was I got one out. Jeff Thomas. Damn you, Jeff Thomas! <laughs> Brilliant player, though. And uh, thank you to Liam, Mister Kit, or you know, you know, Arsenal expert. Sorry, we didn't test your sponsors. I'm going to go. Sure. What quick couple birthdays? Birthdays. Oh, that's an that old was Barry. Oh, he's done it. Yeah, brilliant. But that's all we've got time for. We could have done a lot more. Maybe we'll do another Kit podcast later in the season. But I'm Ash Rose. Keep it nineties. This podcast is a West Twelve Media and Burble Media production. 